Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know, what's kind of nice is that at uh, this time of year, I don't feel like I need to start the show by saying, oh, we made it to another Friday, everyone. That's that's the type of crap you reserve for May and June and July and maybe even part of August. But we're at September 8th now, people. We are in true countdown fashion. Let's just let's just do it because I think it. For me, it kind of gets the juices going to do the countdown live on air. I'm even going to pull up the damn calendar on my monitor here and look at it right while I'm talking to you guys. Today is September the 8th. This is what's left. One week to the 15th, the 22nd, the 29th, the 6th, the 13th, the 20th, and then a few more days. Six and a half weeks until the start of basketball. Your draft should be just a couple days before that, as we've talked about at great length. Get that draft as close to the last second as humanly possible so you avoid nonsense like this Trey Murphy news from yesterday, which we'll go ahead and start today's show with that. Trey Murphy, uh, word came out yesterday in the early afternoon. I think we forgot to talk about it on the podcasts that he has a torn or partially torn meniscus. I don't know if we ultimately got the final report, but the surgery happened already. He's expected to miss about three months. That takes you to mid-December, if indeed that's the timeline, and maybe you get lucky and he comes back a little bit before that, but you're probably talking about a month and a half to two months of this season. I wasn't over the moon high on Trey Murphy anyway because uh, the big, big, big usage guys come into camp at least right right now for the Pelicans healthy. Zion is supposedly healthy, and we just saw Brandon Ingram uh, in the uh, the World Cup not looking that great in it, but he was upright. And CJ's healthy and JV's healthy and all that stuff. So the amount of stuff that would have been left over for Trey Murphy would have been lower, but he's also a high percentages guy, so someone that can tumble forward into fantasy value pretty easily. Anyway, he's gone. You're not drafting him. You're not going to sit on a guy who didn't have that much when the team is healthy upside. What it does do is, I don't know that it makes Herb Jones play any better or do any more, but it does bring a relative stability, one would think, to Herb Jones's minutes. But Herb is not for the folks that are looking for massive per-game potential. He was number 104 last year, and a lot of those players were hurt. Brandon Ingram, remember, missed about two months in the middle of the year. Zion missed the final three and some odd months. So Herb had all the opportunity in the universe last season, and he played 30 minutes and averaged 10-4. and four with 1.6 steals, which got him right to the edge of the top 100, but it is, and even, I mean, this is saying a lot, that old man Vespers is saying this, that was like the most boring 100 range season you could possibly imagine. I'm trying to think of other players that were ranked ahead of Herb that scored less than he did. Draymond is one of them, but he had seven boards and seven assists and also 1.8 combined defensive stats, which, you know, pretty close to Herb's 
Uh, slow-mo was at 9.5, 9.4 points per game. Draymond at 8.5 is crazy low. Uh, but slow-mo had five boards, five assists, had the good field goal percent, two defensive stats as well. Time Lord was at eight points per game. Delon Wright was at 7.4. So there, I mean, there are a handful of guys in there, but these are dudes that are generally collecting in some other way that Herb was just like, okay, well, this is steals. He's a steal specialist. We can leave it at that. Let's get into the main topic of today's show, though, uh, which is going to be the next names on that third round board. We left off yesterday after Victor Wembanyama, ADP at slot number 31. Today we'll be talking about DeJounte Murray, Jalen Brunson, Miles Turner, and if there's time, Nikola Vucevic and Bam Adebayo would be the next two names on the board that would actually wrap up the third round if we got through those guys. I talk a lot. I don't expect us to get that far, but hey, anything's possible in Mcworld. <laughs> but don't get sued by McDonald's for that. Or perhaps they'll sponsor the podcast. I do love a quarter pounder. Do love me a quarter pounder, and damn it, my kids do love a Happy Meal. This is not sponsored by McDonald's yet. Hey, uh, I've been told that the tech guys continue to sit on their thumbs and have not yet raised the price of the all-sport fantasy pass. It's still $7 a month for, I again, I have no idea how much longer. It might be minutes. It might be hours. It might be the weekend. Uh, that is a very limited time price because the draft guide... Sports Ethos Draft Guide is out officially now. And the All-Sport Fantasy Pass, which has basketball, including the B-150, when that comes out, at an earlier release date, by the way, than most of the other packages, with the exception, I think, of the Ethos 360. So it has the early B-150, or the slightly earlier than early B-150. It has football, which just got underway, including the football draft package. It'll have baseball's draft stuff when that comes looping around. The All-Sport Fantasy Pass is pretty damn sweet, and it's 7 bucks a month right now. That is absurdly low. And advertisement-free, if you want to compare it to some of the uh, TV streaming services that all are throwing ads into the mix now. NBA Fantasy Pass is $6 a month. You might, you might as well just go the extra buck and get all the sports here at Sports Ethos. And the beauty of it is... If you lock in that $7 price right now and just leave it on, it'll not go up. I just got an email from uh, from Disney yesterday telling me that my bundle was going up in price. You know who won't do that? Us at Sports Ethos to you. If you lock in a $7 rate, that's it for life. If you're surfing Sports Ethos 20 years from now and the All Sport Fantasy Pass is 30 bucks a month, you're still paying 7 as long as you just leave it on. Those are lifetimes of savings. Plus, you know, whatever you make in your fantasy leagues by whipping everybody's butt. I am Dan Bespris, by the way. This is Fantasy NBA Today, also a simulcast on YouTube. Hello to the live viewers out there. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This, of course, is a Sports Ethos presentation. I'm trying to right now get everything that we do on YouTube also on the pod channel and vice versa. So no matter how you take in the content, I'm attempting to make sure that you can get access to everything either way. So thank you, no matter how you're tuning in. If you're listening on the pod, please drop a five-star review. It would mean the world to me. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to our Sports Ethos YouTube page, which is straight up cooking these days. Thank you to the football guys. And then also I'm trying to do a 
boatload here with my sort of remedial technology. My green screen is not a green screen at all. It's a board behind me that you can see me bouncing in the background right now. If you're watching live, feel free to throw questions in the chat room. I'll try to get to any of those at the end of the show. DeJounte Murray, first name on the board uh, on today's show as we look to break him down a little bit. His ADP is technically, at this point, the 32nd name. It's 32.9 is the actual number, but again... For our purposes, it's probably easier to just list what order the players are going off in. Finished last year as the number 36th ranked player on a per-game basis, 20.5 points, 5.3 rebounds, 6.1 assists, 1.5 steals per ball game, which was also a pretty nice number for him. Doop-ba-doop-boop-boop. And... Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. 46.5 field goal percent, 83 free throw. I don't know why my brain farted for a moment there. 1.83s per ball game as well. Arguably the best thing about DeJounte Murray from this past season was the fact that he played 74 ball games. So while he was number 36 or 35, whatever the hell I just said, on a per-game side, he was number 24 by totals. Excellent little bump. Of course, we're all still looking at a guy that has no real shot to live up to the DeJounte Murray first-round marker that he got during his final season with the Spurs. At least not as long as Trey Young is still an Atlanta Hawk. A couple of areas worth mentioning, though. If you're looking for DeJounte Murray to be... If you're drafting him at 32, you're thinking, is there some sort of upside baked into this equation? The upside is not in assists or points or boards or blocks or, frankly, even the percentages, which have been relatively consistent for him, especially field goal percent. 46.2 his last season with the Spurs, 46.4 his first season with the Hawks. Threes did go up for him a little bit. Maybe that's something that sticks. But the category you're looking at with Murray and thinking, is this something, is steals. Because in his final year with San Antonio, he was at 2.0. And in his first year with the Hawks, he was at 1.5. Despite, by the way, the minutes per game in Atlanta being the highest that it had ever been for Murray. 
What about the career stuff for him? Well, if you go back to even the couple seasons prior in San Antonio, he was at 1.5 steals per game in only 32 minutes. He was at 1.5 this last year in 36 and a half. The year before that, he was at 1.7 in 26 minutes. Now, this is not your old pal Dan telling you that the steals are going to come back up for DeJounte Murray. It's just an area where they could potentially come up. It's a possibility. That is to say, 10%, 20%, something like that. Maybe steals are higher. And if that were to be the case, he goes from being very good in that department to being more like a hyper-elite guy in that department. Halliburton was at 1.6. That's a big jump for him. Shea was at 1.6. 1.5 is damn close to that. But, you know, it's not OG Ananobi at 1.9. Like, if you, put, if you put DeJounte at 1.9, he laps most of those dudes. So that's the upside built in there. And so I like to try to think through this, this topic with the same question that I'll ask that I, I kind of ask about every one of these players, which is, is this someone that I would consider drafting at the, at the ADP where they're at right now? And my answer with Murray is yes. I believe so. I don't know that he's going to be as durable as he was this last season. It's, it's hard to know whether the rest days in San Antonio were because he was actually banged up or because it was just the Spurs kind of going easy on him from time to time. But he did only miss eight games this year. So you play in 90% of your team's damn games, you get a, little, get a little feather in your cap, at least as far as I'm concerned. But then again, if the steals do return to career numbers, and again, there's no... Not necessarily the case. Defensive schemes and all that are different team over team. His role is different, etc. But it could be 1.7 instead of 1.5. These types of random fluctuations do occur. He's a good steals player, so it's not weird that his steals could potentially be higher. And if everything else stayed the same and steals go up by 0.2, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but... Every five games, that's an extra steal. So if he's playing in 70 ball games, what is five? That's 14-ish, right? 14 extra steals over the course of the year. You know, Roto, that might be a Roto point. And head-to-head, that might be the kind of thing that wins you one or even two weeks in a category. That's a big deal, is what I'm saying. That's the thing that jumps him. Five, six, seven slots on a per-game basis. Maybe more. And then if he's durable on top of that, now you've got an ADP win on both sides of the equation. So I actually rather like DeJounte Murray in this spot. And, you know, considering after yesterday's show where we were like, Paul George at 28, 29, uh, Pascal Siakam, who, by the way, fell behind Paul George uh, day over day. (laughs) They swapped spots at 29 and 30. Siakam, like, this is a guy who was a full round back of that on a per-game basis where the upside to me is somewhat limited and a trade risk. I don't think Murray's going anywhere, but I guess Atlanta could maybe blow things up. I feel like they're more inclined to bring someone in than send someone out, but, you know, anything is possible with that club. And Mwambanyama, who all the, the rookie question marks hanging around him... You could make an argument that DeJounte Murray could go in the very late 20s and would still be kind of a reasonable play because there's really no harm in just... I like to make baseball metaphors on this show. 
taking the walk. It's taking a walk. DeJounte Murray at this range is taking a walk. You know, it's good for the team. It's not at all exciting. But it's safe. You know, you're not hurting your club if you take a guy at 29 whose per-game number is 35. Unless he misses half the season. But that's effectively a wash. And if he's durable, you win. And if there's a little upside, you win. Next name on the board is Jalen Brunson, who I'm seeing a lot of folks saying that his stock took a hit in these FIBA games. I don't know how you read too much into all that stuff. Like, (laughs) the U.S. sent not their superstars to these things. I don't know how you're like, oh, Jalen Brunson, his, his rep took a real hit. I completely disagree. He was who he was, and his game fits better to the NBA style than FIBA, I would argue that. But he's an incredibly efficient guard who, in the Knicks system this last year, put up 24 points, 3.5 boards, 6.2 assists, just under a steal, two three-pointers on 49-83 splits. And really, the only thing that held him back is that if that free throw number was like 85 or 86 instead of 83, that's how he moves up the board, I think, a little bit. Because the steals are not going to go jumping anywhere. He gets a lot of his buckets closer to the rim, so he's not going to be a huge three-point shooter. The problem, of course, with drafting Brunson at whatever we're at here now, 33, that's his ADP slot, is 33.1, is that if you're looking at 9-cat, and by the way, turnover's not a big issue for him. If you're looking at 9-cat, he was number 45. Meaning, not that again, not that there's anything totally wrong with drafting a guy at 33 who you think might have a per-game marker 8 to 10 slots behind that. But you're certainly not upside chasing there. And maybe that's the play here with Brunson. If you, take, if you took a risk in the second round, you're going with somebody a little bit safer in the third. But I would argue that there are other safer players in the third alongside Brunson who last year were better than him on a per-game basis. And it's not like Brunson is a punt guy. I want to specify that. He is not a, like, oh, he's a head-to-head guy. Yeah, he's good at scoring and assists and that type of stuff you want on your week-to-week basis because they don't fluctuate as much. We talked about fluctuations a little bit on yesterday's show. But other guys that are getting drafted in the third round right now, Bam Adebayo was number 34 because he was better than Brunson. His numbers across the board were more productive for your fantasy team. Murray, who we just talked about, was 36. Drew Holiday, even, was 39. Vooch was 26 last year. Much maligned Vooch, for whatever reason, was number 26. He had a, he had a wonderful year, and he played in all 82 ball games. All of these guys right now, with the exception of DeJounte Murray, have an ADP behind Jalen Brunson. Now, you can sort of understand these types of things happening when the player in question is someone that there's this, like, big jump forward expected of them. Anthony Edwards is probably a guy where people are expecting a jump forward. And he could just—the jump forward with Anthony is is fixing his percentages. If he does that, obviously his value takes a big leap ahead. Jalen Brunson, we almost know exactly what he is already. No, there have been no large changes with the New York Knicks— 
the usage rates on that roster should not shift markedly season over season. And there's just only so much that Julius Randle is going to give up to Jalen Brunson. Randle took 18 and a half shots per ball game last year. Brunson was at 17.6. I mean, you could see those numbers maybe converge a little bit. Does Brunson move ever so slightly in front with like uh, an extra shot? Obviously, every bit of usage you get out of him is a good thing, but how much more is there really? I think not much. There isn't a big leap forward that's on the plate here for Jalen, who, again, I want to specify, I like a lot, but I don't fully understand the ADP in the early 30s for a guy that had his best season to date and was in the mid-40s last year. Are we beholden to nine-category ranks? No, we're not. But Brunson's is relatively accurate because, again, he's not a punt guy. Punt guys are the ones where you're like, okay, this dude maybe makes more sense in a head-to-head build where you're giving up on one or two categories in favor of some others. Brunson's weakest categories are blocks. He's a point guard, so who cares? And rebounds. He's a point guard. Who cares? And it's still three and a half, so it's not like he's at one rebound per game. He's good across the board in almost everything. That one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but let's go to the next one here. So would I take Brunson at 33? Probably not. I'd rather see him fall a little bit farther. He's typically not falling farther in the mocks we've done. This is basically where he's going. And that's fine because if folks believe that there's room for large improvement with him, that's what allows guys that maybe we're a little more prone to drafting to fall into our laps. Like, I would argue, maybe the next guy on this board. Miles freaking Turner. Who of everybody, that, really of anyone that we've talked about lately, has the best per game potential. You got to go all the way back. Okay, Victor Webanyama at some point down the line has better per game potential. But you got to go back to, not yesterday's show, uh, basically one where we were wrapping up the end of the second round to get to guys that had better per-game numbers last year than Miles Turner. Jimmy Butler was probably the last guy we talked about, or Larry Markkinen was the last guy we talked about, and Larry only beat him by two. But Markkinen's going like a solid eight, nine slots ahead, and I... I mean, the reasoning there has to be health, but it's also worth pointing out that Markkinen only played in four more games last year than Miles Turner. And I don't want this to be like the Laurie Markkinen bashing hour on this show, but it's not like Markkinen's been a pillar of health prior to that, which would be the argument of like, oh, well, Miles Turner's missed time a bunch of seasons in a row. So is Markkinen. Oh, Utah was tanking this year. Yeah, at the end of the season, so was Indiana. When Indiana was not tanking and Miles Turner was going full tilt which I think you could probably argue was like, oh, I don't know, first three to four months of the season? Call it, ah, let's try to be fair with this. Call it like October to the beginning, or the beginning of February, end of January. Miles Turner played in 43 of their games, which was most of them. I think they had like 46 games at that point. And he was number 21. I think this is a year where you see the Pacers push it a little bit more. 
Hit the accelerator on Miles Turner. Hit the accelerator on Tyrese Halliburton. I'm pro-Indiana this season. You guys have heard me talk about that on this podcast. And so the fact that you can get these three centers, frankly, right in a row, and I'd, I'd like to try to get to all three of them on today's show, so if we have to run a tiny bit longer than usual, I think we'll probably do it. I'm beyond satisfied with any one of these three, but, you know, Miles and Vooch, I probably would favor over Adebayo, if only because of the per-game advantage that those guys have had. And Miles Turner being a top 20 per-game guy is a really big deal. Because we've talked about it many times, so I don't want to go in too deep on this, but the gap between the guys at the top of the board and the guys in the middle of the board is so big. And Miles Turner at number 20, huge positive impact guy. I know blocks are a large part of that, but look, you know, JJJ is going at the end of the first, beginning of the second round. You can get JJJ light stuff here probably two full rounds later, and there just isn't that large of a gap between those two guys at the end of the day. Their numbers are strikingly similar. JJJ, 0.4 steals and 0.7 blocks, but Miles Turner had a better field goal percent. Everything else is almost exactly the same between those two dudes. That's why one was number 12 and one was number 20. They weren't that far apart, other than, again, that extra 0.7 blocks for JJJ. That's a big deal, because 0.7 blocks is like getting an extra forward on your team out of nothing. But Miles Turner is sitting there at the end of the third round. You don't need to build your team around him. He slots in with the other guys. And we know exactly what he is, which is also kind of nice. That's the way I like to draft. Show me a player that has a perfectly established baseline fantasy potential, and I'll show you one that I often give a long look at. Mid-show reminder, please, if you are hanging out with us live, please click the thumbs up and subscribe. If you're not, why not come hang out with us live on our next show? Subscribe to the uh, youtube.com slash sportsethos is the page where you can find us. And if you prefer to listen to the old podcast side, we love you too. Drop that five-star review. And again, check out the fantasy passes available at sportsethos.com right now before the price goes up. I haven't been told exactly when it's happening. I thought it was last night. It didn't happen. It might actually be an oversight that it hasn't happened yet. The All Sport, $7 a month, moments away from going up. It's on its way to 10 Save the damn money, people. Let's talk Vooch next, who uh, is going at 35. And frankly, no matter what this poor man does, no one will ever draft him earlier than this range. Uh, I've seen him fall into the 40s in multiple mock drafts. And I don't know if that's uh, a fear that Chicago is going to pull the pin on this thing but they just gave him a brand new multi-year contract. So the fear has to be that Chicago pulls the pin and Vooch gets rested down the stretch. But for Roto, that's sort of a not, not a large deal. And the only way that, to me, that creeps in is if the team gets off to an absolutely rancid start. And they get to the trade deadline and they're like four games out of the play-in tournament. Because repeatedly, the Bulls have had every opportunity to blow it up and get stuff for DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine, or last year, Vooch, on an expiring, and they haven't done it. 
The harebrained nonsense of the Chicago Bulls is reason that we should continue to believe that they're just going to continue to do harebrained nonsense. And that's great. Because Vooch was at 18-11 and 11 with three assists, 1.4 defensive stats, one and a half threes, 52-83 splits, and he played in all 82 damn games, which is absurd, by the way. And so by totals, he was number five last year. Ain't that a guy you'd like to get at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth round? I would. And if you're worried about them pulling the pin, how many games do you think that costs him at the end of the season? My hope would be, if you're in a head-to-head league, those rest days are after your playoffs are done. Remember? Shut her down. Three weeks to go in the regular season. Fourth, the fourth to the end, fourth to final week should be your playoff finals. Or earlier, honestly. I got no problem with that. So no, I'm not worried about that. And you give me the Roto side, taking three weeks off at the end of the year, you still could get to 70 ball games. That's good, by the way. Kind of rushed a little bit on some of these guys. But let's talk Bam Adebayo, and then we'll take a couple of questions after that. We uh, That actually will, by the way, wrap up the third round of ADP. So our, our next show on Monday will probably be sort of an all-third-round encompassing deal. But uh, Adebayo, also someone I'm quite comfortable drafting at this spot. Perhaps the fear with Bam is that Dame comes to town and his usage decreases, which is reasonable because when you get two higher usage guards or wings on a team, we've historically seen in kind of these big three scenarios, if you want to call them that, it's the big guy that suffers. Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, et cetera, et cetera. It's not every time. Like, KG still put up his big numbers if you want to go back to that. The Boston kind of the... We call it like the original big three of these these super teams pairing up. But if Bam, if you see his shots drop from 15, yeah, that ends up hurting him because he's not passing as much now that they brought in Kyle Lowry and then Dame would further exacerbate that problem. So that's why Bam is kind of my least favorite of the centers in that mix. But he's also, like Vooch, extraordinarily durable. He was at 20 and 9 last year. Better steals than blocks. I think if you're getting a center at this juncture, uh, well, Vooch is not a big steals or blocks guy either, but I don't know that I value the steals as much, and that's one of the reasons that Bam has the value he has. You get your steals from your guards. But, you know, what if you ended up with, like, Devin Booker in the last round? Not saying you should, but one steal per game guy, or I'm trying to think some other guards that are going here that are under a steal per game. Dame, if you went him early, or Steph, his steals might come back up. Anyway, you get the point. If you're a little low on steals, you can go bam, and you can shore him up a little at the big man spot, but uh, not my favorite of the three. His his edge there is similar to Vooch's, which is that they stay upright a lot. Uh, but if Dame is in town and Miami's playing well, you might see a few extra rest days there. I don't think that his role gets bigger this coming season, so that's a reason to be a little bit concerned. Uh, so of those three, I'm very much in on sort of Team Miles Turner uh, in the hopes that he can get into the high 60s in games played this season. He should steamroll these dudes in per game. Uh, neither of Vooch or Bam, in my opinion, comes all that close to Miles in per game production. 
and then hopefully the gap in games played is kind of where uh, that one gets gets made up. Because you could see Vooch and Bam potentially beat Miles in totals if they outgame him by six or seven. But if you can cut that down to like a two or three game edge, then Miles is your your victor there. But still, I, hair splitting one on one. You know, if it got to me at pick thirty four, honestly, like I'm comfortable taking these three centers almost anywhere in the third round. Almost anywhere in the third. Uh, the fact that they're falling towards the back end of the round just means that if you have, like, pick 10 on draft day, you got a shot at getting one of these dudes in the third. That doesn't mean that if you have pick 4 or 5 in the third round that you should not take them, because if you don't like the options ahead of them, if you don't like taking a risk on Paul George, or Pascal Siakam doesn't make any sense to you, uh, or, you know, you don't feel like LeBron is going to play in that many games and Kawhi is too much of a headache and on and on and on. You can take these guys at 26. Ugh. Maybe not. 28? 29? Sure, why not? Would I take someone like Kawhi ahead of Vooch? I think I probably would. It's just, it's so hard to find those top six, top seven per game type of guys. And so, like, you know, the 72-game season where uh, Kawhi, I believe, got hurt towards the end of it. He played in 52 of those 72 games. Kawhi's 52 games that year. He was number six per game. Again, missed 20 ball games. He was still number nine by totals. That's how powerful those mid-first round each night punches are. And that's why a guy like Kawhi, you still got to take him ahead of these dudes because the the drop-off between number six, number seven per game, and even number 20, if you're talking about Miles, but certainly you know mid to late 20s in Vooch or early 30s in Bam and DeJounte and stuff like that, that's an enormous gap. I mean, you're talking like 10, 12 some, maybe more additional games for them to pass it. And, like, compare it to this last year. Vooch had to play in all 82 games to get into the top five by totals. We're talking about Kawhi being top nine, missing 20 games that year. 20. You close that gap by even five, and he probably moves back in front again. By the way, Vooch was number four that year. Worth pointing out because he played in 70 out of 72 ball games. Silliness. Games play does matter, but there comes a point at which you got to take the per-game monster. Let's get to some questions here at the end of the show. Looks like the comments have been uh, heating up a little bit. A um, couple of compliments. Thank you very much to Nico for writing a nice thing in the chat room. I can throw that on the board uh, for the YouTubers so you can see the nice thing. You are very welcome. Uh, Albert says you're not getting Miles Turner late third. Um, I th I mean, I think you are. <laughs> His ADP is 34 and a half, and he's gone in that range in every mock I've done. So I would beg to differ on this one. I've, I've seen him go late third in a lot. Josh Lloyd wouldn't draft Vooch in the fourth round, so you should tell him that. I mean, I think he and I did a... a uh, I think he and I did a, an ADP battle last year where I took Vooch, and I still would. I'm not as worried about Chicago blowing it up. 
Oh, good. We have someone getting in the chat room and getting wild. Are you going to do Roto Mock Draft? Yeah. Um, and also, is the paid premium content any different from the podcasts? Absolutely, yeah. Um, the paid premium content, you get the individual attention um, in our Discord is a great spot for it where you know it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a pro Q&A where you can throw stuff in there. Um, you have the Brewski 150, which is a wonderful list to work off of. You'll have player profiles, schedule grids, uh, streaming charts, all that stuff. I personally think my podcast is delightful, um, but you do get that extra treatment, that more one-on-one uh, -on -one kind of hands-on treatment that the, uh, the monthly subscription can offer that I simply can't with the podcast. And once, they, once we get closer to the season, I simply can't do it on Twitter either because there's just too many things going on. So if you want that individualized attention, that's where you get that in, the in-season premium stuff. And if you're looking for our rank boards and stuff like that, uh, the Brewski 150 is the king of them all. And that's available through the Fantasy Pass during draft season as well. Um, among other things, and we may have some really cool stuff to roll out in the next one to two weeks. I don't want to say it out loud yet uh, because I don't know exactly when it could happen, but it would be a really big deal for Sports Ethos if it does. Um, and that'll basically wrap it up, I think, on to... Oh, wait a minute. We got one more. One more. If we don't take a big in the third, where else would we be looking to get one? Uh, that's a pretty good question, actually. There's... I'm trying to think of, like... So it's around the Nick Claxton range. Nick Claxton, Brooke Lopez, Jared Allen, Rudy Gobert, somewhere between like 50 and 65, 70. There's a few in that range. We've talked about the Clint Capella uh, and Mitchell Robinson range as you get a little bit deeper in the draft, but you do have to, to sort of give up a few things, free throw percent being one of them if you're going to go down that path. It just feels like there's so many in the third that I don't want to say you kind of might as well, um, but you kind of might as well because they're just so readily available there. What is your opinion on other analysts regularly putting Cade top 30? Are they delusional? <laughs> Albert, you're trying to get me to say mean things about anybody else. So uh, Cade is an interesting case study. I'm, I'm actually glad you brought him up because at some point we'll get to talking about him. His ADP is uh, a little bit farther down the board. Cade is someone who will almost undoubtedly take a step forward this year. Um, last season, he was playing hurt. That's why he was number 137. Field goal percent was very low. Steals and blocks were lower than you would have expected. It's better to base your projections off of what you saw from Cade in his rookie year, where he had 1.2 steals and 0.7 blocks. So that's an easy adjustment over last year that pushes him from where he was last year back up to where he was the previous year, which was number 90. The step forward for Cade is likely to be in the usage department where he was at 16 shots per game and they'll probably want him mostly running things on that club. But for me, the reason that other analysts have him high is that other analysts typically gear more of their discussion towards head-to-head, -head, which is the more popular game. So that's part of what makes sense. And Cade is going to be a much better asset in head-to-head -head than nine-category Roto. He was very bad at turnovers. That's likely to continue. And he was very bad at field goal percent, which maybe he gets a little better, but also one would assume likely to continue in some capacity. 
So he's kind of, not all the way, but kind of a one or two punt guy. And if you did that on his rookie season numbers, he was number 36. So other analysts that are drafting Cade near 30 are looking for bumps in scoring and threes and assists and maybe an extra free throw per game or something to that effect, but aren't really concerned about the, the tank job he's doing on turnovers and field goal. And that's fine. But when I do this show, I'm setting you guys up numbers of where someone's going to be in a nine-category format. And so I don't think Cade hits top 30, top 35 in a nine-category ranking board where I'm trying to compete in all nine of them. If you're writing off turnovers, he'll be better. If you're writing off turnovers and field goal percent, he'll be better. He is, in my estimation, a little bit of a build guy, but not one that I want to take in the third or fourth round in Roto where I'm trying. Roto, I am always attacking the two percentages, so I very rarely take a guy early that's going to be putting a huge hammer to one of them unless I have someone else that I know can cover that up. And I'm generally trying to be at least somewhat competitive in turnovers, not like trying to win them, but not in full punt mode. And usually I've taken someone in the first one or two rounds that's already very high in turnovers, so I don't want Cade in the third or fourth that's going to be sort of a secondary kick on that. I hope that makes sense, actually. So that's why it's not a delusion thing. It's just a different way of attacking the game. And there are a lot of ways to win. I'm not... uh, I, typically, I'm not going into a draft in a punt build, and I often am punting something besides... I mean, field goal percent is an interesting punt. It got really popular like four or five years ago, and so now you kind of want to zag where everybody's zigging, or zag zig where everybody's zagging. Um, but that is the one where he fits the build pretty damn well. So no, I'm probably not taking him at that juncture. Um, but I can understand why someone might. I just feel like you can go another path there and not have to punt those things. But like, what if you've already leaned into it? What if you have LaMelo in the first? Cade makes a lot of sense as a pairing there in the third or fourth because you get a huge infusion of the things those guys do well and you're not as worried about the things that they're doing poorly. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. We might get a mock draft going over the weekend. I doubt it. We'll probably try to do a pair of shows on Monday and get back into the role of doing, you know, three mocks a week. Could we squeeze out fourth if things are going well? Um, oh, and someone asked uh, am I, if I'm going to do a, a, a Roto mock. I don't think I answered that question. Yes, I'll probably have to ask for people from Twitter because the Yahoo random Roto mocks never fill up because there's like, you know, it's like eight. To, it's like eighty percent of people are playing head to head or more, and then you got a few in roto, and they're not. They they see the mocks are not filling up, and so then they just don't join them. So it's not quite as severe as what you're seeing, but people are going to join the mocks that look like they're filling up on Yahoo, and those are always the head to head ones first. So yes, uh, but it's going to have to be. It'll be not to me as interesting because it's going to be with people that already follow my stuff. Um. Thank you guys for listening, everybody. Again, have a marvelous weekend. We'll be back with you first thing on Monday. Please like and subscribe. Please like and subscribe. Check out the uh, Fantasy Pass over at Sports Ethos. It is, again, kind of what powers the locomotive and allows us to grow and add more people 
Um, and it's just, like, why we can continue to do what we're doing. Because hosting a large website is, uh, is a big undertaking. So, love you guys. See you all on Monday.